When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This is Ahmed Zappa. You're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology, the fucking best show there is. Pantheon Podcasts presents Deeper Digs in Rock. Part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Hey, hey, my mind diggers. I am the rock and roll archaeologist Christian Swain. Welcome to another edition of Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. All right, real quick, in the news this week, we have just launched three new rock and roll shows for y'all. Yes, three new shows that we are very excited to share. Okay, first up is Rock Candy Podcast. Join Ashley and Maggie every week for sweet treats of stories from the world of music. Uh, They cover anything from album reviews to stories about the artists to music news and some uh, fun general drunken banter. Expect to hear about artists of old and new, uh, spanning many genres, all while drinking a variety of brews. Next up is Who Cares About the Rock Hall? a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, hosted by comedians Joe Kozala and Kristen Studdard. Um, he's a longtime devotee. And she's a bit of a skeptic. Uh, join them as he attempts to get her and uh, their guests to care about this institution. And third is the career musician. Join host Nomad as he interviews other industry professionals, providing insight and practical wisdom for the next generation of aspiring career musicians. All three provide new wrinkles to our rock and roll story here at Pantheon Podcasts. Please welcome Ashley, Maggie, Joe, Kristen, and Nomad by taking a listen to their shows and letting us know what you think. Also, let me shout out to our muses. Uh, They dropped the stuff. (laughs) The new name is Just Now Muses. Go check out their new website, musespod.com. Okay, Uh, so now, that's it. Uh, That's the news. So let's get to our show and meet 
our very special guests. Music. Music. On the telephone Bye. Just to let him know That he's not alone Bye. We got no money And so many bills to pay Bye. I wonder Will we make another day And then my baby says He says girl you know, last episode, I mentioned how rock and roll began as a man's world, and over time, women had to literally and figuratively kick in the doors. It took a long time, especially for all female acts to be taken seriously. It's not until the 80s do we get the self-contained women rocker bands to have hits, uh, you know, like the Go-Go's and the Bangles. Of course, uh, the story of the runways is pretty well known now, and yes, all hail, hail Joan Jett. Uh, But before the Queens of Noise, there were a few acts that helped build the foundations for those future successes. One of them came out of the San Francisco psychedelic scene of the late 1960s, and that was Ace of Cups five unique musicians that just happened to be all female. In 1967, at the height of the San Francisco scene, Mary Gannon, Marla Hunt, Diane Vitalich, Mary Ellen Simpson, and Denise Kaufman joined forces together. In a lot of ways, they were ahead of their time, and maybe that was against them. It was also a time where expectations of women and their roles were still defined in antiquated ways, uh, making them trapped. They also suffered the misogynistic record business, who wasn't sure what to do with them. Though, it's good to know, uh, not in the scene or the music scene or the musicians in the, the community where they were from. Most famously by Jimi Hendrix, who had the Ace of Cups open for him when he played in Golden Gate Park. And when asked by Melody Maker a few weeks later, uh, Hendrix spoke about some of the groovy sounds he'd heard that year, like this girl group, Ace of Cups, who write their own songs and the lead guitarist is hell really great. (laughs) That's a pretty great endorsement. Unfortunately, Even though they were self-contained, wrote their own songs, had a great original harmony hook to the act, they didn't get signed with a record contract. While they soldiered on until the beginning of the 1970s when some of the original members left, um, you know, it just was one of those stories where it didn't seem that it was going to be, at least at the time. While they all kept in touch and would see each other from time to time, it wasn't until 2003 when Ace Records released a collection of their live recordings from the 1960s called It's Bad For You But Buy It, where fans new and old could hear for themselves the talent these ladies had. And then, on May 14, 2011, the originals reunited at Wavy Gravy's 75th birthday party and things really began to take off. By 2013, All But Marla started to work on their first album, and last year it arrived as a double dose of tunes. Okay, so let's meet Mary Ellen, Diane, Mary, and Denise. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ace of Cups. I really like it cause it makes me feel so good.
Uh, Mary, Denise, Denise Mary, Mary, and Diane, welcome to Deeper Digs in Rock. We're Thank happy you. to be here. Yeah, how's everybody doing? Great. Yeah, Great. I did walk in on uh, what looked like a, uh, a morning rehearsal. Uh, you guys have a gig here in two days uh, in San Francisco, your hometown. Uh, are you excited? Yes, oh, totally. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So the first question I might ask is, is it more fun playing together now or back in the 1960s when you guys got your first start? I can only relate to now. Right, you know, yeah. it's just being in the moment, and uh, this is really fun being in this moment, you know, with all these wonderful ladies and uh, the music that we're doing. So, I, you know, I have to think back was it as fun as it is right now? Yeah, you know, it probably was back then. Yeah, I think we were so excited, especially you know, opening for Jimi Hendrix, you know, yeah, we'll then. get to that. I mean, that yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Not and to have uh, Jimmy uh, say that uh, you guys are something that people should pay attention to, and Mary Ellen, I believe, pointed you out in right. particular yeah. as uh, as the hot shit guitar player. I think he was being very generous. There. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say. Oh, I don't know. I've heard the new album. Uh, there's some good licks on there, so. Yeah, but there must have been there must be a big difference between what you yeah. you, I mean, you, you I, were I doing in the '60s the versus today. Yeah, I think the difference now is that you know we have all this much more time between us and the relationship and the deepening of everything in the relationships because of all these years. Yeah, I mean you know like the the births of Mary and Denise was at a lot of her like her birthing process and we were there of course in the beginning. The song Talina is about the first birth that Mary had, that we were there. And, but anyway. Were you the first to have a child? Actually, the the, our other player that's not with Marla. us yeah, was, was the first, first one to have a baby, uh -huh. Scarlett. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then Talina, and then Tora, and, and then Kodak. But um, Mary's was the birth that we all we attended. And okay. so it was a home birth. So mm -hmm. it was yeah. kind of, a, a, that was part of the 60s. Yeah, oh yes, oh yes. Yeah. Because before that, they didn't have birthing or fathers. Fathers weren't allowed in to the room. No, no, no. It was uh, very surgical and right. uh, separate that's, and, that's uh, you know, white coat it. and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. why we started having, if we were going to have a baby at home. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Oh, so you all three had babies, your babies at home. At home. I didn't actually, um, because my doctors, oh, right, right um, yeah. the doctors I had from Mill Valley here um, were doing home births all over the Bay Area and they were, they couldn't get there enough. Enough. So oh. they made a deal with French Hospital in San Francisco to have their own birthing room there, uh -huh. and then everybody came there. So I went there. So I had my daughter in the early morning hours and left at 8 a.m. and went home. <laughs> wow. So still pioneers uh, yeah. uh, again, not just musically, but uh, in just life in general. I have a little story about that that yeah. I've read recently. So I grew up with a little, a little acronym, a little story about the women in China they're working in the fields and all they do to have their baby is just stop for a minute, squat down and have their baby <laughs> yeah. and get back to work. Put the baby on their backpack. <laughs> the urban legend. Yes. <laughs> the, I think it was true, actually, where there was some truth in it. So we all say, why? Well, you know, they do it. We could do it. You know, and so we were all learning, you know, and Stephen Gaskin and his farm. And what was her first name? His wife. Anime. Anime, yeah, I mean, yeah. they were amazing. There was some amazing midwifery coming and it wasn't like, oh, woo, you know, like hippie. It was like real midwives that learned the science too, because, you know, 
the mothering thing, you know, you don't want to take so many chances. Although no. I did take chances and many of my friends did. We're just like, thank God we're lucky. But here's the funny story. I just read recently the women in China, if they can't get drugs to have their baby now and their insurance doesn't pay for it, they are freaking out because it's so painful. And I'm thinking, what happened to that Chinese girl? <laughs> like, like we have our babies, we do the Lamas, we, and we, you know, we don't go out in the field maybe, but we're up the next day at eight o'clock. Yeah. I mean, and they're like, give me the drugs. Of course, you know, by my- Modern, yeah. modern life, modern life, yeah. Drugs are good, uh, and, yeah. you know, yes, they yes. can be used. Drugs are good in but, the right circumstances. No, but I yes. just thought that was hilarious, you know, that, they, I mean, really very tense about the pain of labor and how that changed around the cultures. Oh, Something yeah. in China, you're going to have to learn your lesson <laughs> about clean air, smoking. You're going to have to learn the same lesson America learned. Yeah, a little behind us. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Some know the story. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the beginning here and talk about how the five of you, uh, the Ace of Cups, came together. And I want to talk a little bit about your individual stories and how you came to San Francisco. I think some of you were born here and raised mm -hmm. here, and then some migrated here during the great migration of the early summer of love, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because it's pre-67. Uh, oh, yeah. What we're talking 66, about. So, yeah. So let's start with the fact that I think was it Mary and, and Marla. Marla that were the first that put the, sh the act We together. just were jamming. We're just friends. We had a piano. Uh -huh. I had the apartment first with my other friend from college. And we had come up when there was no Haight-Ashbury as we know it. Yeah. It was just another neighborhood. What year was that? It was 1965. It was 65. Yeah. Okay. And it was very cheap. The buses, everything was cool. It was a neighborhood. Yeah. I loved it. Golden Gate Park. It was oh, just the panhandles perfect. right there and then head on yeah. out. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was still very straight. I was a Kelly girl, take the bus every day, the 35 downtown. Okay, I, I read that. What is a Kelly girl? Oh, a Kelly girl is like, a, and she knows some of the people that run Kelly girl. But like, if you're an executive, you need a secretary for a week, mm. you call Kelly girl. Okay. Or if, if so her, attempt, the, uh, it's attempt, a temp uh, yeah. situation. Okay. Yeah. And right. then those can go Clerical in. type yeah. of things. Yes. Okay. Um, for it was, for that age, yeah, for mostly secretarial, bookkeeping, those kind of things. But I think yeah. they could broaden into accounting and more of the upper level, what you would need, executive, assistant executive, and things like that. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. So you and Marla are uh, playing around on a, yeah. on a piano uh, in an apartment, right, uh, in the hate, right, before it's known as right. Well, what it was, but weren't some of the other players of the time living there as well? Not really in that place, but yeah, Marla came in 1966. And I think that um, she had come up from LA and there was other friends of hers, like from San Leandro. There was an energy happening before anyone was aware of it. Mm -hmm. The first time I became aware of it was the neighboring apartment. Somebody put up all these things on the uh, telephone poles, rent party. I'd never heard of a rent party. And so a rent party was, you're going to an apartment with, there's no, they can't pay their oh, rent. You there's pay no a little, furniture. Uh, couple of bucks, drink some beer, yeah. and uh, but, that helps with the rent. And yeah, yeah. and you just, and chip in. Uh -huh. And I thought, this is weird, you know, I, it's, it's, I'm from a straight <laughs> New York family. Why would we pay someone else's rent? I mean, it's just <laughs> the whole concept. Makes sense. <laughs> well, everybody's got rent problems. <laughs> I know. Now try and do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two grand. Oh, uh, let's see what kind of party. Yeah, you yeah. Have. In San Francisco? Oh, yeah. man. You'd have to have a big place. Yeah. 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 So 
that was the first time I thought, oh, and th- they were doing little poetry like a nose is a rose, that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. the, and I guess there was some pot, but I don't remember it because I wasn't into pot yet or anything. Mm-hmm. I'd maybe had taken a little acid once from when I went, it was down in Monterey, which is where we had, where I lived. Now, before. wait a minute. Are you saying that you took acid before you smoked pot? Oh, yeah. Oh, so so much for the gateway drug. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Somebody brought it down. It was like, it wasn't that great. But, you know, then subsequently after that, I definitely experimented and and had some really good LSD of mind awakening. Yeah. Yeah. I I bet that was uh, ground zero for uh, Ken Kesey's. And yes, we will get to you uh, in a minute, Denise. Um, (laughs) So uh, so you and Marla are are playing together. And then um, who was next to join the band? I don't not remember. Diane. I think it was that, it, like I we needed a drummer. The store because <laughs> without a band, no, you have to have a good drummer we, to be. We're in not a band. thinking band yet. Uh-huh. We're thinking like I, I had my theater friend there that I had studied theater with Val Risley, and we were doing folk music where we were, uh, you know, having her come in. The cuckoo was a pretty bird in a bird costume. I mean, we were in another spot. Okay. And then also writing. Uh, it was actually pre-rent or any of those uh, musicals that are written about. Uh, what is it? Aqua- Age of Aquarius. Right. Marla and I were kind of thinking of some songs like that. Oh, brother, lend me a dime or a nickel. We'll do anything you can. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. Kind of stuff like that. <laughs> it wasn't a band. And then I happened to be walking in one of the empty communes down the street from this. And she knows the street and I forget it. That's Clayton Street. Clayton. Yeah. And I went into this darkened room where somebody had rolled up several packages of zigzags to make crepe paper uh, uh, decorations. And this girl, beautiful girl with long black hair is jamming on a drum set all by herself. I mean, just doing things and I'd never seen anything like it. So I introduced myself and that's when I think when Diane came on board, something like a band started to even conceptualize in any of our mind. I hadn't even thought of it. And we kind of came together at the same time. That's what I was- Within a week or two. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Mary, yeah. you you came in uh, yeah. a little bit later. Just a little. Just but a, let's hear from Diane. So, yeah. what was your perspective on getting asked to come into this act or preformed? Oh, yeah. Preformed act. act. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't even an act yet. Not they were just uh, messing around. And but Mary, you know, this little light bulb was above her head, thinking, <laughs> "Hmm, this woman drummer, maybe this could be an all-woman band." And I, th- when she said that to me. I thought, oh my God, yeah, that's what I would like to do. Because yeah. I've only jammed with uh, guys, uh-huh. all guys. Uh-huh. And, and, and I always thought, God, how great it would be to play with other women. When did you pick up the drums and start playing? Uh, around 19, age 19. Okay. All right. And uh, I was just she interested in them. But <laughs> before, before that, uh, I was interested in them in grammar school. Uh-huh. And when they... Um, a marching band came just marching through our, our school and in, in, uh, at recess so the the drummers i could not believe how fast they could you know because yeah. they bounce those sticks and you can't even tell that they were bouncing there was this so fast. so you were I infatuated was just, i was infatuated time. with the drums so they had a little music thing going on for our class and i i went and said i wanted to play the drums and they told me that oh girls don't play the drums but you could play the tambourine yeah so, yeah so then, uh, same thing Ooh. in junior high, same thing in high, me too. high school, and then finally, when I'm out on my own dancing in clubs, boom, there's the drummer. I'm clapping my hands on two and four dancing, and I realize 
I'm clapping with the snare, and I go up to the drummer, and I said, you think you could show me something? <laughs> and he openly told me to just come back on a Sunday night. He'd shown me a beat, and then uh, he had the band play to that beat for me. And every Sunday, I was there for, you know, <laughs> six months or that's something. Cool. And, and that's where you learned how to play drums. Well, that's when I first learned my first beat yeah. and yeah. how to play. And then I was um, married to a, a disc jockey, okay. radio disc jockey. And we traveled around at different towns. And every town that we went to, I'd sit in with the band uh, oh, and play cool. my one beat. Mm-hmm. Are slower. Is that the one you play now? <laughs> no. That's okay. ACDC has made an now. entire career out of it. I think we went back to it yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah. Can't shake. Yeah, a- Simplify everything. Simplify <laughs> yeah, it. Cool. The less you play, so cool. the more, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. The 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 as they say, uh, the muse is in between the notes. Right? Right. That's right. So, right. So uh, you have to create that space. Good, that was a good lesson. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then Mary Ellen, you said that you kind of popped in about uh, yeah, right around right. the same time. Huh? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I knew this guy named Bruce, just an acquaintance. But when he found out I played guitar, he said, "I know these women who are playing, and I think you should call them up." So he gave me their number, and I called. And I went over and met him, and it was like, okay, yeah, I'd love to jam, you know, let's do it. So that was how I ended up joining. And how long had you been playing before? Uh, Since I was 12. Since you were 12. But it was mostly folk music that I played up until when I went to San Jose State in 64. Mm -hmm. I went to a club, a coffee club uh, down in uh, San Jose, it was Paul Kantner's. Yeah, I think yeah. Paul Kantner and the Yorma are uh, right. down and there so that's, yeah, yeah, so I saw Yorma performing one night, and I went up afterwards, and I had to really get my courage up to do it because mm-hmm. I was kind of a shy, more shy person. And I just had to know what he was doing because it was like Jimmy Reed stuff and things like that. So I'd go up and ask him, you know, would you be willing to give me some lessons? And he said, sure. You know, so I took some lessons with you. Oh, that's awesome. I learned Jimmy Reed licks and all Mm -hmm. the old blues kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was so thrilled, you know, to, to, and that was like the bridge between folk and rock. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Blues things. So you went to San Jose State. Yeah. You're not from Northern no, I'm from down in the desert, down in a little town called India. Oh, India. Yeah, okay. That's where I live. All right. Yeah. All right. That's where they have the big festival now. Uh, Coachella, right. Yeah. yeah. But none of that was happening then, of course. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it was just like the desert. Uh-huh. Um, so I went to San Jose State for about a semester, and then I dropped out. I just decided it wasn't what I wanted to do. And then I started working in San Francisco, felt pretty disconnected, and actually part of one of the songs, the medley, um, Golden Green is about that experience of feeling disconnected and not because I was from a small town and into this big city. Yeah. I was like, whoa, you know. Yeah. But then I met the Ace of Cups because I, then I had started going out to uh, San Francisco City College. And from San Jose State, I went there. I was taking, my major was art at that point before it had been psychology. So I changed it to art and. Uh, then I met these guys, and I dropped out of school again, <laughs> just to play. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, music. <laughs> yeah, the they first say, time uh, it was <laughs> yeah. my choice, and the second time it was. But you know, <laughs> I just I just wanted to play music, and when when it, the uh, the chance came up for us to rehearse like five days a week, you know, for eight hours, however long we wanted, yeah, that's what I was going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Diane. 
Uh, your Denise. turn. Denise. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Denise. D&D. <laughs> D&D. Oh. We're really confusing, you know. A couple of Marys well, it's the two Marys and, yeah, the, and the Ds. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. It's Mary Mercy, or you just add either Mary Ellen, Mary Mercy, or Mary Simpson. I'm just plain Mary. Mary, right, Mary. But I just wanted to tag something that Fred and Bruce that turned her on to us. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't have an instrument, as you know. Mm-hmm. I just had a lot of chutzpah and like a big mouth. So he said, well, you could play the bass because... And he brought over a bass and a small little amp. He says, look, you can play the blues, C, F, and G. And that was how I started. And there you go. Yeah. There you go. Of course, uh, now this is the bass players. We've evolved to yes, that. Yes, you have. I'm, yeah. But I yeah. mean, uh, that's that's how we started. I just wanted to let you know that Bruce was a key figure. Yeah. In Apparently. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Whoever yeah. he is. Yes. Yeah. All right, Denise. Yes. You uh, kind of have a little bit more of a colorful ba- background. What? Uh, because uh, you were hanging out with the pranksters and Ken Kesey uh, ahead of time uh, down in La Honda. Uh, actually, I believe you were arrested at Berkeley uh, during the free speech uh, riots. Uh, yes. When uh, yeah, Governor Reagan sent out the uh, police force to, to beat you guys up, huh? Right. So, so let's hear your story. Well, I grew up in San Francisco, as did Diane. So the, the two Ds are both native San Franciscans. <laughs> and I was kind of always interested in both music and politics was my passion. And so, but I went on my first picket line in San Francisco when I was 14. Oh. And I still have the letter that I was, wrote. Was this okay with your parents? Or? It actually was. Okay. They were activists. Uh-huh. Themselves. And okay. Not. Yeah, they were. And they were certainly, my, my dad was uh, amongst the many things they were involved in, a thing called the Council for Civic Unity, which was an interracial group for fair housing. and, and Oh, good um, for him. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, they, I mean, Very I, I kind of crossed the line yeah. later past their level of tolerance. <laughs> Left but, them behind. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it made perfect sense to me. It didn't quite to them. Um, anyway, I, I went for my uh, last two years of high school to school down in Palo Alto, and that's where is that when you first started playing music no i started playing music when i was like four i, w- I went to the conservatory of music for years in oh, san you francisco did. Okay. And right. i was in san francisco children's opera for years and i kind of had that whole background but i kind of rebelled against piano when i was about 13 or 12 and then um my mom had started to take guitar lessons and I basically just took her guitar away from her. Oh, really? Oh, so that's what it was. <laughs> well, she had okay. long fingernails. I don't think it was a, it was going to be a thing for was her. It? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> she, we had a piano. She was a beautiful pianist and a beautiful singer. Uh-huh. And their circle of friends, at least some of them, we would gather with sort of some, what we say in Hawaii, some Hanai auntie and uncles, some like your extended family, maybe not blood relatives, but your your aunties and uncles. We would all meet up on Mount Tamalpais at the home of uh, one of them and every weekend and we'd all sing. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with that, you know, we'd sing around a fire with the fireside book of folk songs, you know, mm-hmm. and Uncle Max would play the accordion and we would all sing, you know blue-tailed fly or, you know, um, sweet I Molly Malone. That Remember that? Of course I you did. With the Girl Scouts and my mom and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so. The Girl Scouts of Inyo. Yes. Inyo. Her mom was a leader, Girl Scout leader. Yeah. Oh, we, wow. We actually Very went cool. to Europe. Our troop went to Europe for three months. Really? We saved money. We wow. had, you know, they had a thing down there called the Date Festival, and we had a, a booth where we sold, you know, all kinds of stuff. We would go around to all the houses and say, we're going on a Goodwill tour, uh, tour to Europe. Would you, if you have anything you don't need, would you leave it out front and we'll come by next Saturday? 
So we got all this stuff, and for two years we sold things and saved money and built it wow. up and had a big feast a couple of times for the whole town to come and eat. And, and then we went to Europe, and my mom and a couple of other leaders planned the whole thing, where we would stay, and yeah. you know, we got to go to six different countries. And that's the only time I've been really out of the United States at that point. Oh, okay, So it was yeah. a lasting impression for all of us, and I mean, I just Oh, think yeah, yeah, uh, travel always yeah. Uh, expands yeah. the mind, so. Right, I wanted to add that, that just by coincidence, uh, that uh, in Indio oh, was right. one of the places, um, right. uh, you when know, I, went to, to, with Reno, yeah, who was yeah. the DJ. The um, date poem, the, right? Oh, you ended up at? I, uh, I okay. ended up in one of the towns in yeah. Indio, California, and, and, and just sitting in uh, at the, the club there, which was, was a partial uh, strip club, too. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> and and uh, it, it was like, yeah, musical, you know, I don't know, it was a band, and then there's a strip club, and then, but, uh, uh, so I got to get, get some of those 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 beats, you know. Right. Oh. <laughs> I, I I believe I believe that's what what made Elvis uh, swing his hips that's when right. DJ Fontana got that's behind right. uh, the kid and, and had, had spent all those years in the strip club. Right, yeah. and that remind me of when I read that article. Yeah. But anyway, so and I was in Indio at the same time as right. Mary Ellen was in really. Indio. She was in high school, and oh, I was yeah. a little bit older. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, but I think that I mean, of That's all amazing. places, we were Such in the a same town. I mean, it's you know, maybe it's not a coincidence. <laughs> no, it's starting to sound <laughs> like it was up. meant to be, right? Yeah. So, Denise, you're still, uh, you know, uh, coming around. Uh, you, uh, as we've established, you're a little bit of a countercultural uh, uh, identifier uh, at that point. Uh, you know. So when, so when I was in high school, I used to go here up at the Tangent, which was the club at the end of the, I lived on University Avenue my last year of high school, and there was a club there called the Tangent, and that's where Jerry Garcia played with um, his jug band and his oh, the original band. Oh, yeah. okay. So I used to go here them, and I was the only high school member of the Stanford Folk Music Club in those days, so we used to have um, hoot nannies and performances and stuff, so I was kind of in that folk and a lot of the people that were in the Stanford Folk Music Club that, at that time were people who had been to Freedom Summer in the South doing voter registration right. the previous summers. Mm -hmm. And so I got to kind of get a firsthand um, understanding of what was going on in Alabama and Mississippi from the people that I played music with there mm -hmm. and, and those songs um, and the importance of those songs in unifying people. So get me to meeting with the other ladies here. Uh, okay, well. That's a good story. Yeah. Well, so anyway, from, I went to Berkeley, was in the free speech movement. The next semester at Berkeley was kind of the spring when I got turned on to LSD. And. Um, okay. And was playing somewhat with a band in Berkeley called The Answer. And we went to a conference down in Asilomar and that's where I met Kesey and the Pranksters and I was going into my sophomore year of summer school at Berkeley at that time and after the weekend that we spent with the Pranksters um, Kesey came up to my apartment the next like two days later and just said I'm coming to get you you're on the bus really <laughs> so you ended up on the bus yeah so, so are you a, an official prankster yeah you yeah, are. Sure, yeah, yeah. Your, I know. I know you have a nickname. Mary Microgram. Uh, Meryl, Mary Microgram. Right. Yeah. Right. Another Mary. What the? <laughs> <laughs> Mary. 
Oh, so did you go on the, the trip across the country? No, this was after that. Okay. I got on, basically got on the bus after the Asilomar conference for the Unitarian ministry. That was where I met Kuzi, and a few days later oh, okay. I was on the bus. Okay. So that was the beginning of the acid test period, um, mm-hmm. and that was you know, subsequent, a few weeks after I got there was when. Did you go to Longshoreman's Hall? Oh, yeah. Okay, I was one of the planners yeah. of the Trips okay. Festival in. Yeah. Oh, Long- you were? Yeah, you, yeah I mean, you were we one all of the were. Planners. Okay. All the, mm-hmm. all the, you know, the original Trips Festival um, groups that gathered. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuart Brand wrote this yeah. really neat memo that he sent to Ralph Gleason that I have copies of. Mm-hmm. And it was like. Ralph Gleason, the uh, yeah. music critic uh, yes. in San Francisco yeah. Chronicle. And mm-hmm. um, because he was, Ralph was an historian and, yeah. and, and Stuart was also. Yeah. And so he sent this three-page memo and it, and what it, it says, which were the different groups that were participating in planning the Trips Festival and what were they going to do and had names of everybody. So under the pranksters, there were about you know, 10 or 12 of us. Mm, wow. So we were, yeah, we were, in fact, on our album, there's one picture of me, um, it's a double shot. It's like it's actually two pictures put into one from the Trips Festival. It's the only picture I have from those from days. That whole area. And uh, yeah. yes. Did you go down to LA and uh, to yeah. the, the, did did the Watts one? House you know, the Test Watts? and everything? Yeah, okay. yeah, all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Grateful Dead was the house band. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they were the house band from the the well, La Honda ba- days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all the way. Did you go out to La Honda? And I lived there. Oh, you did. Oh, you yeah. did. Oh, yeah. okay. From yeah. when Casey came and got me. Uh huh. You I lived, lived in La Honda. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow, that's uh, pretty pretty <laughs> wild. And then, you know, then we were traveling on the bus and. After the trip stuff, we did the Muir Beach acid test and we did the Big Beat acid test in, in East Palo Alto. We did Idaho and Oregon and, and wow. eventually that LA. And, and, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly what it did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, quite a background to bring so to the group here. When the cultural explorer. Yeah. And at the time that after Kesey got busted, which was yeah, just before the trips festival, mm-hmm. eventually he went to Mexico and he pulled that prank, suicide prank yeah, and everything, yeah. went to Mexico. And the bus went to L.A. And we did some more acid tests, but then a lot of the pranksters went to Mexico to join Kesey. And I actually loved Mexico. I'd spent the summer there when I was 14 and I, and I was like, okay, Mexico, I love Mexico. But I really wanted to play music and I just went back to San Francisco. So that's kind of when I diverged paths a bit you know okay. i went back to san francisco and um got in a band uh that later turned into moby grape oh you did um, so okay. and, and mm-hmm. i was in that band for a few months and then it just wasn't where i wanted to be and ended up leaving with the, the organ player and my friend martha winner organ player charlie Shoning or chuck stakes the three of us kind of left that band moved, moved up to the hate and um pretty soon after that i met Mary Ellen, that would be New Year's Eve when the last day of 1966, New Year's Eve party at Blue Cheers house and I, and it was sort of like what Mary describes with Diane walking the into rent, a room uh, and seeing, uh, no, it wasn't a rent party, but it was a New Year's <laughs> right. Eve party, but just walking into a room and seeing this woman playing like she saw Diane playing, uh-huh. I walked into a room at Blue Cheers house upstairs and there was Mary Ellen sitting on a bed just playing these blues, you know, on the guitar and I pulled out harmonica happened to have because i always carry an a uh-huh. and she was playing an e so i had the right and harmonica right, right, for the right. moment and we just started jamming and it was really fun and i you know i'd never had a chance to play with a woman playing like that 
and I was astounded. And then afterwards, she told me she and some other women were starting an all, all women's band, all girl band, and I should come over. And my first reaction was, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't know any women who could play. Okay. I was right. just like, I'd only played with guys, and I think I was like, well, who, you know, can they play? You know, because it really, you didn't No, it, you, know, you don't when see you that. It's, of, it wasn't on, in the media. People weren't pushing that sort of no, thing. you know. Yeah. And, well, the, and, women you know, singers of, with a background band, right. sure, yeah. but not yeah. actually with the A lot of great women singers, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I mean, when you think of what Diane went through from grammar school to middle school to high school, asking every orchestra teacher and every band teacher in all of the schools that she went if she could play drums and being told, no, girls can't play drums. That was happening everywhere in the culture, oh, pretty much. So yeah. unless you had parents who really went to bat for you outside of the school. Yeah. Like Mary Ellen's parents and my parents both did that. Yeah, there's you know, no we got lessons and yeah. we got guitar lessons, yeah, both yeah. of us. But you know, Diane didn't have that. She didn't have somebody that said, we're getting you a set of drums and you can have the basement. And you know, we didn't have that. So, I mean, the fact that I hadn't seen women playing was that was just the culture at the time, yeah, you know? Yeah. So even um, you said, oh, I don't know. Yeah, and I was kind work. of. <laughs> yeah. Right. So then you you got together and changed your mind. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like we were all dazzling players, but we just had we played and we had so much fun. Mm -hmm. And and there was a really good sense of harmony and interplay right from the get go. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Denise brought in a couple songs that she did right off the bat. You know, when we first met, and we were just like blown away by it so you were the initial songwriter well i was i had already written quite a bit i you know um i'd already made a, a record mm -hmm. with um lonnie hewitt and um that sort of turned out into a cult record mm -hmm. but i'd made it with uh, the guys from the answer before i met the ace it was a 45 and it wasn't allowed to be played on the radio because because bill gavin who had the Gavin report said that women couldn't say that so it could never be on the radio <laughs> and it wasn't anything yeah. What, did, what did you say? I said, <laughs> uh, you know the wildlife I like to live, and I can take more than you can give. So. Oh, oh, my God. Scandalous. <laughs> and uh, you saw me out with your best friend, and you can bet I'm going to do it again. So. Oh. oh, my God. Slap I know Mary's hand. so shocked she's going to leave now. <laughs> wow. You know, and you just couldn't, and because of that, they wouldn't play the four. Oh, yeah. You know, as, as George Wallace, George Bear Wallace, who, who is the president of our record label now, which is High Moon Records, he says at that same time that that couldn't be said on the radio, what was on the radio was, you know, the Beatles singing, you better run for your life if you can, little girl. Yeah. I catch you with another man. I, you know, oh, yeah. I'd rather yeah. see you dead, little tough, girl, than to be with another man. A, a, a man. tough uh, John uh, Lennon hey song Joe. to listen to. Rolling yeah. Stones yeah. under or my hey thumb. Or Hey Joe, yeah. 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 Under my thumb, like exactly. That's a good one, yeah. 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 There's uh, there's quite a lot of that misogyny going yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, women were not uh, allowed uh, right. to uh, to, to engage yeah. in, and, and, you know, certainly in this to freedom, have, the yes, freedom and, that yes, men exactly. that were allowed to have. Yeah. Which yeah. Was, and that's really what it just comes down to right. is that uh, we supposedly live in a free country and you you find out every day how, how often there's not freedom for something, you know. Right. So, so. All right. So the five of you are now together. Uh, you've got a couple of songs 
and you start More going out and playing. But before we do that, I just want to know everybody's influences. Uh, I did. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the Beatles on television. Oh, that must no, have we changed were, your yes. life. Almost everybody that I talked yeah. to that you know was around at that time was like, oh, the world changed uh, overnight. Uh, when I was in my junior year of high school, a girl that I knew who was really cool at school came back from a summer in England and she, you know, and I was like, okay, what'd you hear? What'd you see? Oh, this and, is pre. Um, pre. Uh, and uh, and uh, she said, well, there's this group called the Beatles. And I'm like, she said, they're incredible. So I went to my local record store in San Francisco on the week. I need to get this, this rec, this band. And this was the guy that always like, you know, would own the, the local store and would get stuff, you know? And every weekend when I'd come home from boarding school, cause that was, I was still living in Palo Alto in the, uh, during the week. I'd come home and i go, did you find the Beatles? And he's like, no, no. You know, I'm like, every week, well, I want to hear this group. Did you find them? And finally, after about three months of that, he said, look, Denise, I've tried everywhere. They're too obscure. Wow. Yeah. I can't get you this know, for you. What year is this? This is when in my junior, this was 63. Yeah, six, two. Oh, 62. Two. Oh, really? And, wow. Okay. And... Right. Well, well that's yeah, even before like George six... Harrison came over no, with 60... some 45s and started. Well, so like that. it was in my junior year, and I graduated in '64. The so uh -huh. you know '63. Yeah, it was yeah. maybe early '63. Uh, yeah. Could in, be that in '63 when I was over in Europe with the Girl Scouts. In some of the countries, they had these little like stands with a little television type thing in them, and that's where I first saw the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Both okay. of them had a video, mm -hmm. you know, for their songs. Yeah, uh, I think probably sure. Top of the Pops, uh, yeah. right. uh, that, where they had uh, done that show, and right. uh, and then that had gone out. So, okay, so you got a little exposure from Europe. Yes. You're trying to find them because yeah. a friend has told you. Yeah. Uh, how about you two? For well, me, was Elvis Presley. I was going to ask, too, maybe right? there's, there's somebody beforehand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, too, yeah, I was in a uh, little cafe where on on the uh, tables of the cafe, they had, uh, you put in a, a dime to listen to a song, and, and uh, they had this little flip thing that yeah, you flip yeah, through yeah. there for all 45s, and yeah. play the 45s, mm -hmm. and... Uh, there's this one, Heartbreak Hotel. Mm -hmm. Oh, I that. Just came out, just as a big yeah. hit, you know. And this is the first time I hear it. And it's like, this is like nothing else I've heard. You know, I was just yeah. so thrilled by well, it. And I Blue mean, Suede Shoes was on the other side of that, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I had that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you say what are our influences, Hill, House Rock, oh, you know, like I that, mean... Yeah. I mean, they're way before the Beatles. Maybe all of us. I mean, everybody saw Elvis yeah. on yeah. on television on the Ed Sullivan yeah. show, right? Mm -hmm. And but before Little Richard, you know, Jimmy Reed. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Oh, the doo-wop. Yeah, yeah. All that. The doo-wop stuff. So it's really into that. Uh -huh. Joan Baez. So uh, you you mentioned the doo-wop thing because a, a big factor of the Ace of Cubs is you all sing. Right. Yeah. You know, so you started that. Was that at the very beginning? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We you always decided it was, it was everybody was going to try to, we we're going to try to find harmony. Uh, oh, yes. Parts yeah. Well, it's not even decided. Okay. It just, it just happened. happened. It was offered, yes. you know, people, you know, what do you like to sing or whatever? Mm -hmm. It was just an offering. Mm -hmm. uh, One time when we had our first gig up north, we drove up and in the car, we like sang the whole way, you know, figuring out harmony parts to different songs and. So it was always a big part of our things, the harmonies and 
singing together, really. So this wasn't intentional. It just... Just happened. Immediately happened. Yeah. There was no thought ahead of time. No. It was, no uh, just no. there was these lyrics, and then it was... Uh, was there a lead? And then... Yeah. There, let's there then might let's be figure the harmonies yeah. around that. So Usually somebody might bring a song in, and they would... Because that's the other thing. Sing. All of you write. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's another a big factor. It's not just a single writer or right. a duo like Lennon McCartney sort of thing. Right. Um, you are all uh, contributing. Uh, right. From, right. From well, some write beginning. more than others, but yeah. 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 And the course. collaboration is great. Uh -huh. And then, a, yeah, and a few of our early songs are all of us, and it, those are really fun. We have some of those. Um, but I do want to say that my influences was like I grew up in New York, and um, for some reason I, the radio didn't work inside as well as the my mercury my dad's mercury outside full volume <laughs> listening to the platters my prayer i can see it right now in the dark right there in pleasantville new york uh -huh. listening to all those african-american groups their backups but also listening to the everly brothers because oh, yeah. and then I, when i read graham nash's bio lately he said that's how he learned harmony everly brothers yeah you know bye bye love that's such a same thing but i had been trained yeah that's their yeah that's right i've been trained in in music uh, singing all my life because uh, catholic school you sing four-part harmony or, or uh, girls groups in the high school but that was when i i fell in love with that music with that music that came out of a, what's that guy's name that made the wall of sound oh Phil Spector. Uh, yeah that music yeah. was like oh my god and I just want to add that when I heard the Beatles I was in Alaska I had just left Carmel and said I'm out of here and I did this gig and they had a jukebox I loved the Beatles but when I saw the Beatles I thought Ugh. you know they're they're in suits I wasn't that physically attract I mean uh, visually attracted to them uh-huh but their sound. Yeah, yeah. So, because the, the Beatles kind of really turn things into, um, you know, rock and roll becomes an explosion at that. Um, you know, there's kind of like this build to it uh, in the later 50s, which a lot of people like to point to the day the music died with a plane crash and uh, Buddy Holly oh, and yeah. then Richie Valens and Big Popper. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, Chuck Berry goes to jail. Elvis is in uh, the Army. Uh, Little Richard is in the priesthood, oh, back right. and forth. And so rock and roll kind of, you know, is quiet other than the black music, which is just Every, really James exploding Brown. at that point. James oh, yeah. Brown, Motown, yeah. uh, oh, Stax is going. Right. So that's Later really Otis. cool. Uh, yeah, Otis from Stax. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, you know, but we still live in this segregated society uh, at that time. And it takes something like the Beatles, which takes black music and the Rolling right. Stones yeah. even more so. I know. Isn't that funny? Has to come back and say, oh no, we're just doing black music here. Right. You guys, yeah. you know. That's you right. Know, you know. You and they were both very that. good about that, yeah, about they, getting they people to understand that. All right. So the five of you together, uh, you're now playing, you're now writing songs, and the name, Ace of Cups, how did that come about? Was that the first name of the band? Yeah, the only name. The yeah. only name only of the band. <laughs> we had a our first. We've had we had two managers during that time. Yeah, um, they yeah. were friends. And yeah. Ambrose Hollings. Ambrose yeah. Hollingsworth was the first one, and he was a mystic and a teacher of all things mystical. Um, tarot. He taught. He taught astrology. I remember he did a class on the Rosicrucians, and he he and he was yeah. a very interesting guy. Really amazing guy, actually. And, and when we met him, he was in the hospital at Mount Zion having been rehab from a car accident where he had become a paraplegic. 
he was managing Quicksilver Messenger Service before that, and then he got in this bad car accident. He ended up in the hospital, and um, I was put in that same hospital by my parents because they were terrified about LSD. <laughs> and so it was sort of like at the end of my biggest LSD adventures, but my parents kind of freaked. At, it was sort they of- They put you in the psych ward? Yes. No. Oh. Tricked me, <laughs> tricked me into the psych ward. But once I got there- You wrote a song. I, I did, I, I, you know. <laughs> And I wrote a bunch of songs and, and it was sort of like the hospital just said, you know, we can't keep you here against your will, but your parents might be so worried they would put you, they could have you go to court and have you put in a much worse place. So we advise you to stay here and do a little family therapy and, you know, see if you can kind of what calm things down. But, it, you know, my life has been always that there were things that were apparent um, limitations mm -hmm. that turned out to have huge blessings that would never have happened had those limitations not been there. So for me, I was in the psych ward living there and going out to work every day. But the deal with the hospital was that I had to save up first and last month's rent and have a job to get out. That was part of my deal. So wow. Ralph Gleason helped me get a How job. How old are you at this point? 19, maybe just 19. Wait a minute. So you're uh, an adult. Yeah, but in those days you had to be 21, 21. for certain things, yeah. certain things 18. But um, under 21, my parents still could have gone to court and, and had me committed to Napa or something, right. you know, which was, would have been not. Ooh. I don't think they would ever have done that, no. but they, the hospital kind of threatened me with that, which was okay, because then I stayed. And then I was in the hospital working at Fantasy Records um, for Max Weiss in okay. and, and San Francisco at the time. And I went out to Blue Cheer South. That's where I met Mary Ellen. Mm -hmm. And then I was also going out like that. I went and heard Otis Redding three nights in a row at the Fillmore oh, at that yeah. time. I mean, there was a, I was totally going out. Um, one of the women in the hospital said, you need to meet this guy up on the top floor who's a songwriter, too. Because I had by then a piano, guitars, drums in my room, my hospital room. I had a whole scene in <laughs> my room. This is a great gig. Why leave? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, had a whole, I was playing there all the time. And so she brought me up to meet Ambrose. And so I, I met Ambrose and we started writing together because he's an amazing poet. And then within a few weeks, I met the band. And then as we started playing, then I brought the band to the hospital to meet Ambrose. And he asked if he could manage us. And we within a couple him. of weeks of that, yeah. we were all gathered around the bed singing for him and for his roommate, Leslie Scardelli, who was a quadriplegic um, from a car accident and also helped us as well as Ambrose to, you know, really sponsored the band in a way. But we were around there, Ambrose's bed, and he pulled out a tarot deck and he just passed this card to us. And we passed it around and looked at it and it was this, you could describe it, Diane. The image is uh, like a, the hand of God holding this cup, and out of the cup is five streams That's of water, right. and um, above is the clouds, and below is the the water, uh, the, you know, the the earth's water. So then there's this cycle. So it's like the cycle of life. Oh, from the uh, from the cloud uh, yeah, into filling the yeah. cup, the cup flowing Going overflowing over into the back into yeah, the water, yeah, and then the a cycle. System. And then the little yeah. droplets. <laughs> the little droplets coming up from the water below and kind of coming back up into the clouds. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, and so you all were like, oh, this yeah. is it. There's, yeah. There's no other name. Yeah. 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 And don't forget the Holy Spirit, the white dove. Yeah. The cup. Cup it it, too, it yeah. works with me. He'd ask us. Each <laughs> Are you the Christian of the group? I am one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. So I uh, said she probably is the one. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a Catholic Christian. That oh, puts a whole other well, thing. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, we, yeah. what I, I, I'm an American, so I believe in free speech, free religion, freedom of religion, freedom of freedom law. from religion. If and freedom it, yes. and freedom from religion. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. To each their own. Yeah. yeah. I, I like to. Nobody uh, has all the answers. I like, as Denise says, I like to fly my freaky f hippie flag and also my American flag. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, no. I mean, that is the promise of America. Right? That's right. So, uh, I completely agree with you. Um, uh, OK, so Ace of Cups now. What's the first gig? Uh, well, we did a couple of little little things in San Francisco. Down on Fillmore. Yeah. We didn't go up to Arcadia <laughs> first. Arcadia. No. Yeah. That, we did a couple but, I mean, things. We brought the, the amp down to that right. Club. Right. Oh, right. Remember that? In the Haida. Yeah, yeah. In the Haida. Right. And, you know, but it was, I don't think we even had our name yet. Uh, at that that, we didn't have the name. And we had, and, and that was real early. And then we did a couple of gigs up by near Mount Shasta, Arcata and Etna. Right. Because Ambrose wanted us there to... Was a, there was a, a little commune or something like that up in Shasta? Or yeah. Was that, was that the deal? Ambrose had been part of a spiritual group up in Shasta, so he wanted us to kind of go up there and get the, the vibe of that. I remember going to that hotel where there was this older couple that, you know, now they would be young people to us, but in those days to me, they were like, they had gray hair, you know, and they, 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 ran, they ran this, yeah. this hotel and the hotel had, and they took us in the back room and there were all these um, paintings on the wall of images of Mount Shasta with, with spirits, mm -hmm. um, you know, because people in Mount Shasta say they, that there's a brotherhood that lives within the mountain that you can see on the etheric plane. And there were all these pictures and it was so amazing to, go there. And so Ambrose wanted us to kind of get a little bit of a download get from that. Get that vibe, yeah, right. Before. Uh -huh. So we did. But our first big gig in we, when we came home to Marin was up on Mount Tam, right? For the Festival of Growing Things. So the Matrix was after that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Festival is, this, is this from the movie Revolution? Yes. Is that yes. where you guys yes. were filmed? Yeah. That, that was right. your first big gig? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh. Okay. And it's the 50th year. They're having it again, right? This yeah, year? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are. And yeah. Yeah, we're, are hoping, we're hoping to play at. We well, may be playing. We're working we're on hoping. it. Because that, that would be pretty great. Yeah. That would be so awesome. Who do I have to call? Yeah. It's called Sound Summit now. Sound right? Summit, yeah, okay. We'd love to play there. We'll see. All right, all right. I'll look forward We've to that. We've let them know that we would like to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the first big gig. Uh, and you're filmed yeah. uh, at it. So you're getting a little bit of press. Uh, actually, I think the movie didn't come out no, for a couple of years later. No, it didn't come out for a long time. Yeah. 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 But, um, uh, but that must have been pretty exciting. So who was on the bill with you? Do you remember? Were the sons? Well, the sons. sons were the, there were a whole okay. strawberry alarm clock, okay. Eric Burton and the animals. It wasn't Crosby. It was. It was not the birds, but B David Crosby with with a group, right? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was yeah. David Quicksilver. Pro there? Quicksilver okay, I think yeah. so. Was yes. It, was it David and Stephen themselves as a duo? No, no. Maybe way earlier than that. Yeah. Okay, it, was, okay. it was like what's that other sort of a country group almost? Cowboys. Well, I don't think you know. You mean Buffalo Springfield? No. No, not that. You know, I think the David Crosby's brother, Ethan Crosby, was part of Ambrose's uh, community up oh, in Mount okay. Shasta. Mm -hmm. So I think that was how the David... Charlatans. Was, I couldn't yeah. remember. Oh, but that oh, David Crosby yeah. wasn't part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they were there. Yeah. 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 All right. Sorry. It's yeah. just my mind. <laughs> I don't want to lose it. It came, it came in. So by now you're you're starting to play some of the free concerts there on the Panhandle Definitely. with the Dead. And, Lots uh, of free. And Jefferson Airplane and Quicksilver yep. and, and those Janice. guys. And Janice, yeah. So, what was that all like? I mean, this is this is early '67 now, so 
pre-summer. I know they call it Summer of Love, and uh, but it actually begins way before. Uh, I think by the summer of '67, it's already starting to. Come yeah, and we you know we really too many kids in the. We small just area. really came together in early '67. I mean, we met in the five of us connected in January of '67. Mm-hmm. They've been yeah. playing before, so by the time we were five, it was January. So. You know, it was later '67 you know, that we did yeah, a lot we, of the. Freeze. But Jimi Hendrix was in June of '67 for us yeah. playing with Jimmy in the Panhandle. It's less than six months later, yeah, you're right, playing, yeah. Uh, yeah. The undercard of Jimi Hendrix and and the experience, I would assume. Yeah, so yeah. That must have been pretty wild. Yeah, did that was... did that change your guitar playing? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started changing the way I played bard chords because uh-huh. I saw how he put his thumb over. You know, and I thought, God, that looks so much easier. Well, you definitely have the hands to do that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it, you know, not like I don't sometimes play a barred chord, but, you know, just the whole way he did it. And then plus, not not only that, but just the way he played. I mean, it was just, we saw him at the Monterey Pops Festival the week before, and it just, Did all of you go to Monterey Pop? Three of us went. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that was such a mind-blowing experience, that alone, to uh-huh. see him, how he played. I mean, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for any guitar player or anybody. You know, <laughs> so let me ask you. Really. I, I can imagine that yeah. that was just, especially uh, for you, but, you yeah. know, I mean, he's pretty electric performer yes. just to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, walks into the room and you're yeah. like, wow, who's yeah. this guy? Uh, exactly. Um I, I want to know what it was like playing with, you know, the your contemporaries who were mostly male bands. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, other than Janice, who fronted Big Brother, uh, and Grace, who fronted um, uh, uh, Jefferson Airplane. I think there wasn't anybody, there certainly wasn't an all-girl group right. uh, at that time, right? Not that right now. So no, we, how were you treated with uh, from the other, you know, contemporaries? The other band members of the of the male bands, I think we got personally. I think we got treated very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we became friends with the Sons of Champlin. You know, Quicksilver. Our manager was their yeah. manager, mm-hmm. and so everybody was very encouraging. I mean, Michael Bloomfield came to our rehearsal uh, one time. Oh, wow. and there was other people who showed up that very supportive, and you know, and then they came to our house, and we lived in Tam Valley. The whole electric flag came there and was rehearsing for a while and so i don't know it was just i just felt like we were supported by the male i mean there were there were the occasional macho guys who right. who, who would be I mean, like out in the audience no no, oh, no more I mean, other bands you know yeah, like yeah. you know Not very many. Like, good for a girl yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah pretty good for a girl right, you know right, yeah. um but really Mostly, with the, yeah. the most of the people that were in our kind of orbit that we played with were yeah. really great to us. That's great. And, yeah. and we, you know, now the record labels didn't. No, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that, that but, in just but, a second. But, but uh, you know, the, yeah. but the, our actual experience, you know, people would show us things. Like Yorma would say, you know, you should play this guitar. And he, like, gave me a, a, a Gibson 355 for, like, a year. Like, you know, you should be playing this, you know. And I would say, well, do you want your guitar back? He said, oh, no, no, you keep it for long, you know. Things like that. People just mentored us, you know. So the vibe of uh, this counterculture, which is ground zero where you guys are living, uh, really did kind of exist. And uh, uh, there wasn't the expected misogyny uh, from your competitors. There wasn't. No, no, no. They they were in the vibe and uh, were just 
I want to say that for one thing, we really weren't groupies for a lot of the like a lot of the women that I met, especially at Monterey uh, Pop Festival. The women just wanted to be with the guy bands, yeah. the other women. We weren't like that. We, we just weren't groupies because we were so like we were all like wanting to do the music ourselves. And I felt except for a few jaw droppers, like because, you know, you have to really change your mind. It's like, even with girls' sports, you know, girls really can't play get exciting soccer. Well, yeah, you know, we have to struggle to get there. And, and so it was kind of like that. It, it, it's um, just like Mary said, that um, there was a level of acceptance. But the other thing I wanted to say was at the Fillmore Avalon in those days, we were all part of a greater movement. Yeah, which the family was dog. Vietnam uh, War. Stuff. Uh, yeah. freedom freedom for women uh, you know just embracing like what it means in this new thing and we weren't sure what it was but we knew we were all trying to live it li communal living sharing peace love and rock and roll i mean those weren't just words we i think we were all trying to do something yeah. and especially the racial and just what you said i thought the racial thing would be over by now <laughs> Yeah. We're cool. Yeah. We, love oh, we got that one done. Yeah. On to no, the next. No, right, I right. mean, because our brains are all like way programmed for generations. Yeah. 5,000 years of uh, yeah. history is a hard thing to change. You just have to keep fighting and make small victories uh, build upon each other, right? And even though we shared from our boy band brothers, we really were unique. We would get up from our instruments and sing a cappella, free form, no more war, with the audience at the end of most gigs. And that's in 1968, 69. And it's like, take a chance, you know? And, and it was good. And we didn't have a beginning or an ending. We had a, knew we were gonna do a little bit. And a lot of our songs were like that. <laughs> so how did this not happen? How did the record companies not see you as uh, unique and uh, something to be uh, put out there commercially? Yes, they didn't want to take a chance. Yeah, they've never seen it out there. Or just like, uh, did you say the Beatles? They weren't known. Yeah. So, you know, why? Yeah, the Beatles had a hard time getting yeah, uh, yeah, signed. Yeah, I remember, they're so. famously rejected by Decca. Right. Uh, oh. Luckily, the guy who did that signed the Rolling Stones. But, right. uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, uh, I mean, that's common for organizations that think they know better. And really what they're just looking for is uh, something that uh, is uh, less of a risk. Right. Uh, when you get down yeah. to it. And, it's too much of a and, risk. And I, and I think five females, as good as they may have been, right. that may have been a bridge too far for some of these, let's face it, older men yes. with the money. Yes, that's right. right. The other aspect, which um, Denise had mentioned in one of the um, interviews, which is true, is the fact of having uh, babies. Like, you know, one one person was pregnant, had a baby, and then another. What year so, was the first baby born? 68. Okay, so even yeah. though I think, was it Mary that you said, uh, yeah, the men were having babies too. It's just Denise said. Oh, Denise. Yeah, yeah. but they I, had. I was an they had a great, great quote. Yeah. But they had ladies at home to take care of them. Yeah. Well, right. Where were your men uh, <laughs> to be at home taking care of them? Right. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, apparently, you didn't have any uh, didn't have evolved wives. men like that. Right? <laughs>
or wise. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. At that point, yeah. at that point. Yeah. So, so, uh, so you think that was a, that a concern in the fact sure was it brought it, up in the negotiations? You know, or? no. But I think in the back meetings that must have come up. I, I have. A I feeling, don't think it did with the you know, record labels. You don't. I think it did with us. Yeah. Because what yeah, happened was us, in those yeah. days when you signed a, a deal, you which, you know, which in our office, we had both Quicksilver and Sons of Champlin and, and Janice Joplin and West Pole at the time. And when those people signed, they had to agree to tour for like a year behind their album. Of course. And so yeah. the, That's the, the idea the, of going out time. for a year when we had little babies, I think it scared us. We couldn't quite figure out how we would, if we got the opportunity, how we would pull that off, you know, mm -hmm. and. So that was that was in there, but I, I mean I don't think the record labels went. Oh, we really love this band, but they have a baby or two. Yeah. I don't think it no, was. That. It was just we were kind of a, couldn't figure out if the opportunity was really placed before us, how we would have handled it. What the logistics? Was yeah, there. the log you know because you know if somebody had said and a lot of the bands got a lot of money. Well, if it, we'd been given a yeah, lot of money, we yeah. could have gone on the road maybe with the, a couple of nannies and and pulled it off. Sure. But we never yeah. got the opportunity to even get to there. Yeah. You know. Well, even even up until uh, you know 1970, uh, there's not a lot of money. No. Uh, in the rock and roll business. Well, there was, I mean, there was the the bands that we knew got they got big advances. I mean, for in terms of how much money anybody any of us yeah, had so your at the time. Contemporaries who got the the big deals were Airplane, obviously right. Janice and the Quicksilver, and, and, and Quicksilver. Quicksilver and uh, the Dead. Right. Yeah, and right? then later Santana. Well, of course, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But yes. Yeah, and they got you know they got enough. We could we could have paid for some nannies or mannies yeah. with that. Yeah, <laughs> we'd have nannies or mannies, right? You know, right? Yeah. So that's why it, it it was a little on their side. Maybe they couldn't see uh, the future at the time, and at the same, you five were concerned about. If we how did. this was going to work, how yeah. how it would work, and nobody did come with you with a exactly. big enough paycheck that uh, that might have said yeah, we can figure out a way to yeah. make this work. Yeah, okay. that's right. And you know, in those days, the the labels, I mean, other than the San Francisco bands, the labels. When you signed, they said, we have our art department. This is your oh, yeah. album yeah, cover. Yeah. This is your, you know, and, the, you know. Now, this was one of the first times where they said, no, no, you're the man. We're going to do our own thing. And right. well, we have all this infrastructure as it exists anyway. Exactly. So, you know, use it and sell that to the kids, which is what they would buy. Right. And so. There's an know, authenticity to it. Yes. Mm. So I think for us also, because in those days, you know, there were like boilerplate contracts that people signed up until the San Francisco bands. Yeah. You know, we could have probably said, well, we're not going to tour, go out on a year's tour. We're going to go out for two weeks, then we're going to come back. I mean, if someone had really wanted us, we probably could have negotiated something that would have worked for our lives. Right. But we just never got that far. I think you were just a little bit ahead of your time. Yeah, right. Uh, just is, a is what, it, what it seems like. Yeah, like, yeah. Like 20 yeah. years. 50 yeah. years? No, yeah. no, no. I don't think 50 years. But, yeah, 50 years for I mean, our so, own you know, contract. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at uh, some of the all-female acts that came after you, like, like the Runaways. Years. Was it three uh, years later? Three years? No, years. The Runaways are 10 years later. Oh, yeah. yeah. What yeah. about the um, uh, Bangles, though? Uh, no, that's the 80s. Yeah, yeah I, um, I thought they were great. No, Fanny, go, go, I think Fanny, Fanny is the was, next yeah. closest. That's, that's early 70s. Yeah, Fanny you know? was walk like an Egyptian. No, 80s, again, yeah. Walk wow. like an Egyptian. That's, that's, yeah, that's the Bengals. They're great. 
Yeah, but so that's the really eighties. That's years the eighties yeah. too. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was another ten that's years before. Time. I was sad when they. Yeah, broke because up. Fanny, nothing really broke for Fanny. They made five albums. Yeah, yeah, but they never got, got to really into the culture and, right. and the ex, yeah. ex, uh, exposure that they should have. Yeah. Uh, and um, and the Runaways, you know, Kim Fowley kind of made a. Uh, it was an image thing first. Right. Um, and you know, let's face it, one of them really turned into something huge later on her own. They were only together for a few years as well. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not until you get the Go-Go's uh, and the Bangles uh, in the 80s where it starts to, to become a thing. And now... You know, now we live in an age where it doesn't matter, male, no. female. I mean, you, no. you have intermixed. Uh, right. you know, it's just musicians that get along that have yeah. a connection. Although there's on the, like there's a lot still a big discrepancy between women singing, like on the radio, lead singing. It's not sort of an equal playlist of bands that have women. Then I mean, there's uh, there's some really interesting research on all that. You mean a band with a female lead singer or? Or e even that. I mean, I mean I, not not really a band. Now it's like individuals. No, that's you know true. I mean? Let's let's face it. I, I, hey, yeah, there is no. You problem. won the world, okay? Uh, you know, Beyonce, right. Katy Perry, uh, Taylor Swift, right. uh, now Ariana Grande. Right. I mean, they own the pop charts. Right. There's men. You're not even allowed right. uh, anymore. <laughs> so it's almost reversed. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that, but I'm one not really talking about thing. the pop charts so, so much. I'm talking yeah, about, about more rock the, and, and, and or Americana rock or yeah, yeah, um, yeah. indie. You know, like that. Yeah. I, you know. well, there, there's a few. I mean, you know, Melissa Etheridge comes right. to mind. Uh, you know, there's uh, Tadeshi Trucks. Right. Uh, you know, and things like that. So, a case I think could be made on both sides uh, out there. But I, I think we've gotten much further. Yeah. Than what you had to deal oh, with yeah. uh, out there. So in 1969, another opening slot that you have is the f is it the first official gig for the band? Yeah. 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 It is. What was that like? That was amazing. Did you know that this was Bob Dylan's uh, backing band? And of course. now they're going to yeah. yeah. go and do their own we thing? We were huge fans yeah. of the music from Big Pink. Oh, you were? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that album had been out for a while. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge hit by then. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, but they hadn't played as the band. Right. Right. It's just and, Bob's backing you know, band. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. before that, Ronnie Hawk, the Nighthawks, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so yeah. they, you yeah. know, they were great, incredible. Yeah. Ronnie Hawkins and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, uh, uh, they come to town, and how did you get picked to do to do that? Bill Graham. Okay. Yeah. So you had a good relationship with Bill. We did. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was always really good to us. Again, somebody who helped yeah. you as best you could. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's good to hear that the spirit actually existed, uh, mm -hmm. even though these were you know these you guys were pioneering right. uh, this, and you would think you would get more flack, and I haven't heard any of that today. It was we very want a flack story. Not unless it's a you know I, I mean you know if it's a part of the the you know the the canon sure. well in our in our earliest days when uh, Ron was first Ambrose turned the management over to Ron Pulte and and Ron was trying to get us gigs and you know, there were only a certain amount of places to play and um, I had been up to on Broadway in San Francisco in North Beach uh, there were a lot of clubs on Broadway one of them was the Peppermint Lounge uh -huh. and little Richard played there semi you know he'd come through that the place that he played so you know and I said well maybe we could play at the Peppermint Lounge they had little Richard there so Ron Pulte called the manager said you know this all women's band all girl band you know and the guy goes I'll book him 
And he goes, well, do you want them to come in and audition? He goes, no, 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 I'll book them. He goes, really? He goes, like, but they have to this play. This is easy. Yeah. They have to play topless. <laughs> this was the time when Carol Dota was playing in the North Beach. And that's what they expected. There were all these topless clubs. If you're all clubs. women band, you must be Everything's topless. topless. <laughs> the whole strip. So, the next Pulte. question is, how much? <laughs> no, no. Pulte calls, calls me and says, okay. <laughs> oh, he actually so brought he, it back to you. He brought right? it back. He had to <laughs> tell me the story. And, and he said, yeah. You know, they want, they, you they know, want you. He wants you, but he says you have to play topless. I said, call him back and tell him we won't play topless, but we'll play naked. Oh, <laughs> that's a little too much. <laughs> That'll cause the cops yeah. to come, right? <laughs> yeah, that kind of. All right. Funny. So by 1972, Denise, I think you're the last uh, remaining original member. Well, Mary and I both. Yeah. Mary Ellen had gone up to the Trinity Mountains yeah. with her, her husband, who was the manager of the Sons of Champlain, and, and a couple, and Tim from the Sons of Champlain. They'd gone back to the land up in Trinity. And Diane, you were still. I was. You were still there. You left yeah, me no, out. I, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, no, you were still. Okay. No, but it's, it's sort of like at the very end, when I'm thinking the very end, I'm thinking at when we lived in Novato at the very, very very end. Mary and I were the, I went to Kauai, but the three of us were still playing together. Diane, but you, were you playing at all with the Fairfax? You weren't yet. Yes. Or you were? She was in yeah. 72. You were yeah. In 72? So you were, we were doing some well, of both. Yeah. were 73. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I was still playing yeah. with you guys. I went to the Novato house. Right. Exactly. And the, you know, but you were kind of doing other road. things as well, I think. Yeah. But, but it I wasn't. No, she didn't. I didn't leave. I no, around. no, she didn't leave. <laughs> I never said that you did. Yeah. No, I no, never said the that. Last well, he was no, the I did. I'm yeah. the one that blame me. I'm the one that put the question <laughs> but, out. No, there. but, but what Ron, I, our manager, was also like backing off. Okay. This you know? was '72. Yeah, it was petering out. There, he was just, he was unhappy. He was himself going through things. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, it's it's like. Now, did you bring men into the band to well, play? Well, at that point, we were just you know we were we were playing with our like my husband was a jazz player, uh-huh. an old Jukes, who was yeah, a wonderful really jazz player in the Bay Area. Um, Mary's a partner, Joe, who wrote the song Life in Your Hands on our album, who was the father of Tolina. He played with us some. Um, Diane's drum teacher, Jerry Grinelli, who played with my ex, Noel, in uh, the San Francisco Jazz Quartet. Um, he also played with us. Um, so we, you know, we sort of did some gigs with a, a little mix of this and mix that. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay but, but not an official band it wasn't right really i mean we, you know we did we were kind of exploring all nice. kinds of other music at that point and uh-huh. but um you know there were still interests in us and what we were doing but we didn't have the core group together anymore so yeah. we were but we were still we were always playing so mm-hmm. we played with who we were playing with so what was the last gig? Was it in 72 or 73? Early 72 was yeah. the last yeah, gig. That was the last yeah. gig. Did you know it at the time? Or? No. I mean, there was, okay, you didn't leave and say, you know, thank that you very it. much. No. no, we were living together up in Novato. I went to Kauai um, thinking I was going to go for a few weeks. And then I had been lived there for the summer when I was 15. I knew I loved this place. So I, I went back there and then I was like, I'm not coming back. And then... That was in June of 72. And 
Thanksgiving Day of '72 because I had just left everything I owned back in, you know, hey, Nevada, uh, right? It's a, you know, one of those. Uh, yeah. Where, Could you where come have you been? Bring? <laughs> and I went. Are you, you know, coming back? <laughs> and then I had like. I had my daughter in a tent and a dulcimer, you know, so I had left my electric guitar, my amps, and my sitar. And so my you were living on the beach in, uh, in, in Kauai. Kauai. Okay. At that. And, but by then, by the time, by Thanksgiving of that year, I had rented a house with my friend Merlin Winter. And so Mary came over on Thanksgiving Day. She thought she was coming for a couple of weeks. And she came with 11 pieces of luggage on the plane. All they, her stuff and any band stuff that was left, like the PA head and... Um, all our My you brought this on the plane? Yes. Eleven. Free. Free. We wrapped the sitar. God, in I plane. can't imagine what that bill would be like today. Right, exactly. Uh, it was amazing. My two J, my two uh, dual showman tops that yeah. I can't even lift one now, and I grab it. <laughs> and then the eighteen-inch JBL that twin I had. reverb. Yeah. Elect big Gibson hollow body. Like my dulcimer. I mean my um a sitar. Guitar. My tempura. Yeah. She Your brought tempura. everything. And uh, and then she never left. So you both stayed in Kauai. And Diane stayed in Marin, or surrounding areas. Yeah, and played. And Mary Ellen was up on the land. I played with yeah. a lot of bands. Uh, yeah, a lot of cover bands. In the intervene. And, uh, and Mary started played. singing uh, more lead, um, and just began to write. And then that was it. Kind of. But the really. I think an interesting story is what we all did as a day job for a while. That was Besides be my next everyone question. playing music. Yeah. yeah. So so okay. So you two are in Kauai. Yeah. Diane's here uh, in the Marin area. You're up in uh, Shasta. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Willow Creek actually. Okay. And what did you do to survive in Kauai? Yeah. Well, we played for a while, just pickup gigs as a duet. Okay. People hadn't seen that before. You know, we it was very local, very small. There was a population of under thirty five thousand living there at the time. Yeah, not a big tourist. Uh, no, area it was actually it was, was more it, than you would think. Oh, really? Yeah, was it, yeah. it was. Yeah, like Elvis Presley, you know, and Patty Page. There was actually some Frank Sinatra people that knew about it, but it was kind of under the radar. It wasn't like it is now. It's yeah. like seventy thousand residents and plus million with the tourism. That was just a little bit just to get us started. I was a single mom at the time and I brought my two year old baby with me. Wow. And um then I started doing my regular, you know, whatever I do to make money, like um, uh, house cleaning. I cleaned Buffy St. Marie's house. She did have a house there. Oh, really? That's a funny story, you know, that we we go way back. That's yeah, the first time I met her. Yeah, because she's on the new album. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's the first the time guest, I met her, so, and uh-huh. we be, we were still very good friends. Um, I got very involved in the local church and the school, volunteering. Then I started teaching. Denise had started a school for the kids of the people, the friends that we knew that came over and said, we need an alternative school, Island School, which exists to this day. It's going to be 30, 43, 43, 43 years old. Really? And wow. um, awesome. so I started working there and they mm-hmm. hired me as a, you know, folk artist, you know, to teach music. And I really liked it. And then about 15 years later, I went back to school to get my actual degree, not in teaching music, but in uh, special ed and education. So, you know, I stayed in teaching for about 30 years. Oh, congratulations. All right. And then Denise uh, went into other ways to make money. What are those other ways, Denise? Well, kind of my next project in Kauai was starting Island School, which was about, yeah, that with six other women. It was my next big women's project was starting the school. 
So that didn't pay anything, but it took a lot. <laughs> but it was, you know, hugely gratifying. Right. And creating a school for the kids that now has a 40-acre campus and 420 kids. Wow. And it, it's next door to the, the college on Kauai, and it's the great private school. Do you two still go back? Oh, yeah, all the time. I'm, we're, we're going... Next week is the retirement of the last of the founding mothers from the school, so I'm going back over, oh, and we're wow. going to be doing something musical for that event. Of course, but yeah, of course. But I got together with a guy there, um, Vinnie Bryan, and we played as a duo mm -hmm. for a lot. We played, you know, kind of weddings, and there weren't that many bar mitzvahs, but if there had been, we would play them, <laughs> <laughs> and um, lots of events on Kauai. And then we we had regular gigs, like there was a, a restaurant in the, up in the North Shore where we played. We it was the only time in my life I ever had a job that really had health insurance. I mean. Uh, as a musician, yeah, we, we played yeah. five nights a week at the Princeville and I, and had health insurance. Imagine <laughs> that. Well, it was like you know, for, yeah. so played with him, and then we had a couple of bands together, or two, maybe more than that, yeah. maybe in three or four over the years. I also became an emergency medical technician, and so I was um, working with the ambulance for a while. Yeah, and then I also I started worked as a lifeguard, uh -huh. um, so I was kind of doing that. So I was like patching it together. Mm -hmm. And um, in Kauai. In Kauai. So, so that was thirty years in Kauai. I only lived there for eleven full time, uh -huh. and then um, I moved to LA and went to music school on the base. Oh, you did. Mm -hmm. Okay. And right. then I started teaching yoga because yoga has always been my personal practice. Uh -huh. Then, by the time my daughter was a teenager, and I couldn't be out at night playing music, and the teacher that I taught at his yoga school just said you have, to, you have to start teaching me now and he happened to have a lot of like celebrity clients so he said you have to go teach Quincy Jones he wants to, privates and yeah. I can't do it so I start working with Quincy okay and, and then Kareem Jabbar hey Quincy you know I got this band <laughs> I know you know it's so weird so I ended up teaching like Madonna and Sting and bunch of other Jane Fonda Jane Fonda all these people who only ever really basically knew me as a yoga teacher and I sort of you know, it's so Do Madonna knew now? more because Did... Madonna talked about the Ace of Cups and Rolling Stone in one yeah. in one issue because she knew about the Ace. But you know, I had nothing to play for them, right. so I could say so, that we had a band, really. but there yeah. was nothing yeah. to, yeah. you know. So it's like not until two thousand and three. So yeah. all right, so, so, so Mary yeah. Ellen, where where are you so, between so that our, and two thousand three? Back to the Land Movement, and mm -hmm. so we went. Uh, Fred and I went with three other couples and moved up to Willow Creek. It was like eight miles outside of town with a river, the South Fork of the Trinity River, running through the middle of the property. Nice. It was about 125 acres. And so we started gardening. And I ended up with a beehive and we had goats. I'd make goat cheese. We canned. You know, we grew most of the food that we were eating, except except for grains. We'd go in once a month to Arcata and get, like, that type of stuff. Um, and uh, we had a root cellar. So it was kind of like learning how people lived in the past, yeah. you know, in a way, how, how they survived. Yeah, and this, we this was a big movement that came out of the, the hippie culture in San Francisco to yes. to get out and and go yeah. and go you know move, move right. back to the land as live you said. a healthy yeah. life yeah. and that type of thing. So that happened for 13 years, and then when I I did uh, Fred and I split up at that time, I went to the coast and was working for my sister for a little while as a legal secretary. She was a, an attorney. And then later I went back to school and became a substance abuse counselor for about five, six, seven years. And then became, uh, I worked for behavioral health services in Weaver, uh, in uh, uh, yeah, Weaverville where I 
finally moved in where I live now and was working as a case manager or mental health specialist is the title they gave me. So I was doing that. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know. And you well, Denise, well, Denise oh, spent some time in, uh, in the, yeah. uh, the psych ward. You guys yeah. should Mary, have, have lots of good talk. <laughs> I always can turn to Mary. <laughs> right. Yeah. No need to go back, Mom. Uh, I've got my own personal yeah. psychologist here yes, right. uh, with so, me. Yeah. So, and then I was in bands over the years. I was in, when I was in um, Willow Creek, I was in a, all, another all-female band called the Cosmic Cowgirls. And we played together. And then when I moved to the coast... I was in another all-female band called Raven, and we played uh, rock and roll, basically, and our own stuff, too. And then I got into a boogie-woogie blues band that was all guys, and just me as the lead guitar player. And then I was in a country band as the lead guitar player in a country band for uh, quite, you know, five or six years. And I went into a club one night, and, you know, at that time, people kind of, like the people in the blues bands and stuff, they sort of looked down on country or something. And they and this guy said to me, well, how you doing, Mary Sue? <laughs> when I walked in, you know, and how's it going? And, uh, and, you know, how's your band and everything? And I said, well, we're making money. You know? <laughs> we're making money doing this. And, <laughs> and how are you so anyway, doing? Yeah, yeah. So, Sitting at the bar. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I played in a number of different styles. Yeah, so music, music, music. You're yeah. still doing it. Yeah. Uh, Diane, same thing? Yeah. Well, oh, I, yeah. um, I took stage band in San Francisco. Uh, David Hardeman, the senior, was teaching it. And um, out of that, uh, he hired me in his own uh, quartet. And so that was great. I got to, you know, really start learning some jazz and uh, jazz standards. Um, mm -hmm. And that was a whole other musical thing for me. Right. And then, um, then I played with other blues bands. So I was learning the blues and then... Uh, some reggae groups. Um, this one uh, in Santa Rosa. I did move to Santa Rosa uh, for a while before coming back to Marin, and uh, and I was in six bands at the same time. Oh wow, <laughs> you're really yeah. working it. But okay. uh, five of them, uh, no one rehearsed because we were playing all the same cover tunes. Everybody <laughs> so didn't knew have it. to. We oh. didn't have to return. Right. Right. Uh, and then just show up at the gig and yeah, get paid. Right. And, right. and for casuals, they'd want some jazz in the beginning, so I had those jazz chops, so I could do that, and then do the cover tunes that are you know over popular. But then you're doing. But your then own there's band. one uh, one band, uh, Mirage, that was an original band, and uh, it was like eight pieces with horns and everything, and that that was a really hot band. I really loved that, and I had my own band too, yeah. uh -huh. Lady Di and the Dukes. <laughs> and the Bob Simmons band, who is my dear friend for a whole decade, uh, he uh, passed recently, and we had a big uh, memorial, and all the musicians of, you know, Santa Rosa and Marin all came together uh, to honor him, his, you know, his life and his music, and uh, uh, he just helped me so much just to just to get out there and play. He believed in me mm -hmm. in that time too, you know. Not all men bands wanted a woman drummer in their band. Right. You know? right. <laughs> so he was the one who really, you know Good. Yeah, Good. did that for me. And um, and then we played the Silverado Country Club for about a year and a half together too. That was a regular gig. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, casuals around that. And um, then eventually came back to Marin because I was always pulled to come back here whenever I left. 
this place is, you know, it's a magical place. It is. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no two ways about that. Get over the Golden Gate and you can see why everybody <laughs> wants to move here. Yeah, so. All right, so let's rise the phoenix. I think the first uh, instance of of you guys getting known is in 2003 when a compilation was put together of these right. live tracks that somebody had. Was was that done uh, with your involvement or was this something yeah. that kind of came out? Tell, tell me about that. Those tracks were part of the 11 pieces of equipment that came to Kauai because <laughs> when Ron Pulte sh shut down the West Pole office, the last dribbles of stuff, his brother had recorded on a Sony reel-to-reel a lot of our live gigs. Okay, good. And and there was actually so some, there was evidence. There yeah. was evidence. Yes, yes. There was some professional recording which we haven't got our hands on. But these were funky. But there's moments of brilliance. <laughs> so I had about thirty tapes, uh -huh. and um, I brought them to Kauai. And I I had come back to California for a year, and I listed every one. I said, Wow! I mean, just like. After the band is over, then you start saying, wow, that was so good, you know, but spotty, yeah. like how creative that was. Like you think Bohemian Rhapsody did opera? We did opera. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow. But anyway, so they you were, did opera. Yeah, I did opera. So then anyway, um, they were with me. And then Denise and Diane were here in Marin getting together about, you know, before 2000, right? So through this whole period, you're you're all friendly. You're all in yeah. touch with each other. Yeah, and every now and then we come and jam and record on oh, a cassette. Okay, okay. And yeah. we have it. And I look back. I go, God, why didn't somebody say how pitching good that was? <laughs> because you know every musician needs to be. You know, it's great. You just believe me. It's great. No, you really just sang that because you want yeah. to take you dinner. Uh, yes, no, yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they ended up then with Diane and Denise, who also categorized everyone. So they had that down. And then I don't know how it got to Alec Palau of Ace Records, who actually put out that. Yeah. How did they get from... That was Marlon. Yeah, that was Marlon. That was Marlon. Marlo Marlo yeah. Marlo no, I said Marlon, you. No, you. No, you said oh, Denise, yeah. Oh, I'm, sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. And, and Lolly helped somewhat too, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. me and Marlon went through all the tapes, I mean everything, and listed them by hand on the you know, on these mm -hmm. uh, reel-to-reels. And then we took them to Lolly to have them put on a bigger reel. Right. And um, from there, the, a bigger reel then was taken to... Oh no! And then from there, it went back down to the DAT machine, and so that you know, right. from the DAT, then you could make cassettes and stuff from that. So from the DAT, we got that to, um, to Alec. Yeah, that's Ace Records out of England. Oh, uh, right, Ace Records, uh, and their the division they... that we were under was Big Beat. Yeah, how did and they find you? Alec Palau had been, you know, he's an Englishman who lives in uh, the East Bay here. Oh, okay. And was um, is you know one of the real. Um, connoisseur, con, like like archivist extraordinaire of American kind of like music. an Alan Lomax, uh, yeah, type of, of the sixties, right? Also, yeah. not just yeah. the San Francisco, but yeah. everything that was going on in Muscle Shoals, in right. you know, everywhere. Right, right. And Alec works freelance. Among his places, he works is is with Ace Records, and so he had approached me years before about the single that I did with them. You know, that one that. Just yeah, get no, to we be on the radio. Uh -huh, and, yeah. You know, so I, when By I By the first, way, what was the name of this? Boy, what will you do then? <laughs> <laughs> I got to get me a copy of that. <laughs> it's actually reissued on Ace Records on a 45 look with the same label that, um, that, that it was originally had. on. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but it's also on the first Ace of Cups album. 
that it's on that eighth oh, it album. Is. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, it's the first right. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Alec contacted me about that record, and then we started to be in, in communications, and then asked if there were Ace of Cups tapes, and there were, and Mary and Diane got tapes to Alec, and then he Marla. spent an <laughs> inordinate amount of time going through and cataloging them and sorting them and figuring out what he could do with what there was, and what we came out with was that first, uh, It's Bad For You, But Buy It is the yeah. name of the album. Who came up with the title? I did. It's just a name of one. <laughs> I did. It's a line. I, I it was in a line it of is. one of our okay. songs. Okay. And I remember standing out on the deck at, in Kauai because that's where we were talking about it. And I, and I was like, how about this? You know, and it was such a weird title. So yeah. 2003 to 2011, because that's the next big event right. that occurs. What's going on with you? Once we had the, the first album out, and by then the internet was, you know, alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we had a little website. Uh -huh. And um, people started reaching out to us from all all over. Yeah, you know, so as that record mail, came out, right? you know, it was like this little niche thing that yeah. you know, and people would reach out to us and from you know, I mean, like I remember this one, like I'm a 23 year old, three year old guy in Argentina, and I've been waiting for your music all my life. Like wow. it's just like that, you really? know. These were, and there was another guy who wrote to us who was raised in Moscow, oh. and his father had been like they'd been passing music around. You know, it was illegal to have the Beatles. Yeah. And, they, you know, and they would be like sneaking music around. And he was raised by this passionate dad who loved music, who was taking the risk in Russia at that time of having the music of the West. And, and, he, and he was just this really interesting guy that wrote to us. And he lived in Paris now. And he was totally loved our music and had gotten it to give to his dad. And he wanted us to write something for his dad, you know. So they were all, it was so interesting once something was out there. Yeah, it started to, to grow. How so, it was, yeah. the so tentacles. Now, now that, 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 We're that we, the yeah. public, finally got to hear you ladies yeah. sing uh, outside of the live environment, you know, and these are live tracks, but, yeah. but at least now you could pass it around and, yeah. and, and begin to build a following yeah. outside of the local area that you could only do originally right. in the 60s, right? Yeah, people, people from that, you know, from once we split up, people who hadn't heard us, we were just a name on a poster. Right, you know? right, right, so. right, right. Yeah, without any documented evidence right. uh, until this. Okay, so 2011, May 11th, uh, you form to play live. Is this live for the first time since? Uh, Brainway. Yeah. Wavy yeah. Gravy, yeah. 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 75th birthday with the Saber yeah. Foundation. Well, we had been together on Kauai, the five of us, a few years. In 2008, we got together uh just to see what we could do. This uh -huh. is one of several times during that. This included Marlon? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. That Mar This gig at Craneway was the last gig we actually publicly played with Marla. Uh -huh. And, you know, there was just a lot of things that came up and just decisions to be made and things like that. But um, she's still part of the whole history and and part of some of the songwriting that we're doing now. Okay, okay. So, so she's still tangentially in, involved with the, yes, with the group. Yes, tangentially, okay. definitely. Okay, uh, so the 75th birthday for, for Wavy, uh, he introduces you. That must have been pretty exciting. It was. Uh, to get back up on stage with an adoring crowd who now kind of knows some of these tunes, right? Not really. No? They didn't. Even when we'd gotten together in the, the years before, we went to Tim Kaine's one time and spent about a week just sort of recording and playing there. That's we, right. We played at the Kauai. Sweetwater. We went on Kauai and everything. But when we played the Craneway, we were really, for most people, 
like either they'd never heard of us or some of you know some of them were people that you know Bobby Weir was on that gig. You know, people we played with yeah, all yeah. the way back in yeah. the old days. But um, that was a rough gig for me. Yeah. Because I hadn't been on a stage that size for 40 years. Right. And Diane's drums were as high as that thing. Oh, you were on a drum riser. Okay. And, and it was like, there were no drum risers back it. then, right? And, right. No, I just didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get anything about it. I mean, I like Wavy. And yeah. I, I mean, and the, from Denise has brought me into that understanding of what a cool guy he is and yeah. all that. So but she's really the person, the prankster and part of that hog farm yeah. mentality, which I'm learning and I love. But that gig was just modern, co modern clown. Uh, you know, yeah, it's a uh, modern clown. Yeah, yeah, I have my yeah. nose. You know, he gives oh, that yeah. nose oh, as yeah. I have it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got the interview wavy. Uh, <laughs> so very interesting yeah. character. Uh, you know, but if it's about you know trying to have an unconventional life uh, and not get stuck in the corporate uh, right. machine. Uh, let's face it, Wavy's been very successful. Well, yeah. I would say it's not that. I mean, I say it's much more. How do you live a life of service, and and justice, and 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 standing for things that matter, with humor, and yeah. with compassion. Yeah. yeah, You know, and that's really Wavy. His whole life has been only about service. It really is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And not to derail too much into Wavy's background, but. Uh, but yeah, he, he's, you know, he's done a fantastic job. And we talked about all of the things that he's done, right. uh, you know, from the hog farm uh, to the Save a rainbow, foundation, um, winning uh, rainbow, camp yeah, win a rainbow. Win a rainbow, yeah. 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 Well, this we basic, a video too the basic for, human uh, needs is, basic yeah. Human yeah, basic, needs. oh, did you see our video of basic human needs with Wavy? No. Oh, that's really oh. Good. yeah. Okay. That's right. yeah. That's our, that's the first song that's we wavy. did when we started this Ace oh, of Cups project. Wait a minute. I've seen Basic Human Needs. So were you With the us? band? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so no. It's been years since I've seen it. So well, uh, no, you, just, no, no. That's uh, there was um, prior the Basic Human Needs. There was a uh, another song that oh, was, was out no. on. Well, there's been, you know, because it's a song that Wavy wrote during the Vietnam War, yeah, yeah. there have been versions of it you may okay, have seen, okay, but if you okay. haven't seen ours with then him, I then have you haven't seen, seen the video. It's been out about two yeah. years. Okay. years. Okay. Ours. All right. So the, this uh, fortuitous for you is out in the crowd is a guy who owns a record company, right? That wasn't quite like that because he had already been in contact with us and okay. he came out. He actually. Oh, we are here to set the record. Yeah, straight. we are going to so set the record straight. George yeah. had we or we were totally in in um, connection with George, and he financed us to be able to come together to play for that show for Wavy. Yeah. Okay. He he rented us a house, a rehearsal space. He paid for travel expenses for us to come together. Um, at the time, he thought that we would still find some more archival Ace of Cups music, and he wanted to release it. Uh -huh. So we were still hoping that would turn up with you know matrix tapes or avalon tapes or wherever but he flew out from new york to hear us after having sponsored us to come to come together and i think when he saw us play live he was particularly taken with you know not that we were just something from the past but there was something in the present right, right. so at the time though we still were not thinking of making a record this is just a one-off thing. yeah it was yeah, a one-off thing and then right. but what he he was he was definitely loved us and was in support of us and so after that gig he sponsored mary ellen and diane and i to come together every couple of months yeah, to rehearsed. play for like five or six days together and he would help us rent a house and a rehearsal space and he just said just play 
And so we did that for the next like three, four years. Yeah. Um, and we just started writing because the first one we started playing together, we felt like it was just the three of us and we were kind of like amputated. Like, <laughs> what can we do? You know, yeah. bass, guitar and drums, no keyboards, no other, you know, no other instruments. And we, but after a while, we just started, started working with what we had. Uh-huh. And then we started writing, and then George got pretty excited about the writing. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, he said, "Okay, ladies, time." And because his label studio. does it, is a reissue label. Yeah, they, they right. don't do original. So that uh, was a big material. step for him. Right. Like find a find a producer and uh, get in the studio. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's hear how uh, the album Ace of Cups. Fifty years too late. Uh, finally, right on time. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Maybe you're right on time. Uh, comes about so, because it was just released here in November of, of 2018. Right. So just about six months ago, um, you get the call. You're going to go in the studio. Get a producer. Uh, I think it's Don Shea. Dan Shea, the amazing Dan Shea, is, uh, is your producer. How did he get involved? A funny story, because uh, one of the six bands that I was playing with in Santa Rosa was a band with Dan Shea, um, his wife now, um, Rita Thies, uh, who's a sax player, and myself. And Dan played keyboards, and he, he could play left-hand bass, and he, you know, and I was the singer on, on the drums. So we had a trio, and we played, uh, you know, casuals. That's what we had done. And then, then you know, he... All those bands were kind of interconnected, and then later, when I'm in Marin, um, I hear that he's later years became a producer. Mm-hmm. So uh, when uh, it, it came time to try to look for a producer, uh, George wanted us to look for a woman producer. He thought that would be good for us. So we interviewed a few, and it just didn't seem to click, you know. And then I thought about Dan. And I so so I called him up and said, uh, Dan, do you know of any woman producers? <laughs> that was the wrong thing to say. It's like, oh, well. Uh, what about well, me? <laughs> and yeah, that's what he said. Was Granted, like, I don't have the right equipment, but uh, you know. He, he just said, well, can't I wear a, a blonde wig? Oh no, I said, oh maybe you could wear a blonde wig. <laughs> Dan, he goes, you mean my long brunette wig won't do? <laughs> That's what he said. You know, his sense of humor is just great. Yeah. And so um, he didn't know, so I, I looked further, and then finally it never happened. So mm-hmm. I called him back and said, Dan, uh, maybe you won't have to wear a wig at all. Right, right. You know, and he was just, you know, really Excited glad. to, and to he be was, a part of the project. Yeah, uh-huh. he said, thank you for calling me back. You know, uh-huh. he really wanted to hear it and stuff. So then he, he got the, the album and he learned everything on that. The first one. The, yeah, the first, the first okay. album. You know, he just wanted to know everything about us. Of course. Just, yeah. uh, and then when he got together with us for the first time, he sat down, he had his computer there, he was making suggestions about things, and like we went, wow, this is what we want. Yeah, we he seemed to be You were all were really we, happy with, yeah, yeah, right with the choice. And, uh, being a multi, we called multi-instrumentalist, yeah. he yeah. can play any instrument. I yeah. Believe me, he really can. And uh, so as a co- producer, I mean, he really, I feel like, doesn't get enough applause or whatever yeah. for what he does uh-huh. and what he brought to us with yeah. his work. Well, good, good. So were you all happy with the album? Oh, yeah. Yes. Is it nice yes. to finally have your music, your songs it's incredible. put together the way they were always meant to be? 
It's incredible. It is. Huh? I mean, you know, you can always make choices when you're uh, creative choices. Yeah. And like there's songs on there that are rock songs that we could also sing with just like an acoustic guitar, mm -hmm. you know, so so there's various versions of things and we had to make choices. Well, how is this song going to be anything like that? Um, well, and I think you guys ended up with 36 songs right. that you had to call down to. 20 like 21 from the first time but we have, yeah. we're, we're releasing another album this time next year you are. another double album so oh. we're and we're still probably add a couple more songs to that right, right so right. we have a lot more music to, to um, so the band is yeah. back together yeah completely and utterly yeah so uh, now I know you're playing this weekend at right. Slim's Motherhood is done, right? Yes. So nobody else is having kids, right? Our children. So your yeah. Mary Ellen's daughter had the most recent baby. Oh really? Oh, congratulations, Mary Ellen. So is it time to tour? Yeah. You're ready to get on the road. We went to New York a few weeks ago. We did a, you know, I don't think we're Kate Wolf Festival. Yeah, we're touring some this summer. Yeah. You know, I think we'll do. We won't do like extended, you know, five month tours. But we want to do some a little more targeted tours. But we've been invited well, to go to who Europe. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, you have fans all over the world. Uh, the album is out uh, doing pretty well. I looked at some of the numbers. Uh, and, you know, uh, you just need to get the right people behind you to uh, build those uh, those gigs up. Right. Uh, you know, load up the uh, Winnebago and off you go. Yep. <laughs> we just already rented one for us. For, um, for Kate Wolf. <laughs> for the Kate Wolf Festival. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, I got to say, it, yours is an interesting story. I just wish that it would have happened back in, in the 60s. I think uh, listening to the, the new album, uh, it's quite obvious the immense talent that you all had uh, together uh, as musicians. And the vocal blend really stands out. That was a secret sauce uh, out there. And what I learned today is the collaboration that you all have. Uh, Unlike most male-dominated bands, there's no ego here. I don't see... Oh, yeah, there is. That, oh, sometimes, oh yeah. am I missing that? But sometimes the, you just have to go for the greater good. Yeah. So you yeah. say it's better to give a little, give yeah. a little. Yeah. But I mean, we're deal yeah. I was surprised, you know, that's one of the reasons we can get back is that our, at least we're aware of that, you know, the green-eyed monster or the ego thing. Yeah. But it still comes up. It's just amazing to me. But I mean, we're able to deal with it now in yeah. a more professional way. You have oh, to go for the greater good. Yeah. Is this song worth really giving a little here? Mm -hmm. Should I like, you know, like give a little this on this Is the battle lyric? I want to yeah. uh, win yeah. or, or, or save like, are we going to just rip this song apart? Right. Right. You know, so, yeah. Right. I, I, you think of the whole. You know, that's That comes with looking, wisdom. Age, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, Mary Ellen, <laughs> Denise, Mary, Diane. Thank you, ladies, very much for being with us on Deeper Digs and Rock today. Thank you so much for, for coming all the way out here and, and meeting with us and, and being interested in our story. Oh, no. Yeah. The, the pleasure is all mine.
love will be gone. You'll be on your own. Well, thank you, lovely ladies. I sincerely want to thank Mary Ellen, Diane, Mary, and Denise of the Ace of Cups. You know, I could go on a rant about how hard it was for women musicians to gain respect in the music business. It certainly was the case of the times, and it took years for female-led bands to be noticed and appreciated for their unique talents that would indeed make interesting music and gain a large following. But I, I don't think that is the big takeaway here. I think what we have is a pure spirit of the music that attracted these young women to be together and throughout five decades have kept them together as friends and bandmates. Through thick and thin, they seem to always find each other and remain close. They were patient with each other and with the music. They persisted and their ship finally came in. As was said, this is the best time of their lives. This is something to be learned from, my diggers. Let's wish them continued success. And if you get a chance to see them live, please do. You can pick up their eponymous 2018 double album release wherever you get your music. Check out the special guests on some of the tracks like Bob Weir, Taj Mahal, Buffy St. Marie, and musical contributions from Jack Bruce and our good friend Yorma Kalkinen. Okay, until next time, go see some live music and keep up the rockin'. Deeper Digs in Rock, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology.
The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.